Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hi there and welcome to today's episode of Your Ultimate Life. Today's episode six, I'm sorry, 733. And today I've got a special guest, Jason Skisik, and he's here to talk to you about the thing we always talk about, which is how to create a life, the ultimate life, purpose, prosperity, and joy with your, by serving with your gifts. Jason, welcome to the show. Helen, thank you so much for having me. In the very short time we've been talking, I've already figured out a great deal of a reason why you've been as successful as you are. Oh, well, thank you. And, and for those, for the listeners, we haven't chatted but a few minutes and Jason's done what I ask all guests to do, listen to some other episodes and things like that. But what we want to talk about, and I, I always start uh, every episode with this question, and it's really the only one I have, and that is this. I define living the ultimate life as, as a life, you know, you love it every day, and it's a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you create by serving with your gifts. And that's my definition. H how would you define uh, your ultimate life? Well, I think I'm living it. Um, and the, the way I would start with uh, what is a successful business? I'm an entrepreneur and I serve entrepreneurs. A successful business is having a profitable business that you have passion for, but you don't have to energize uh, by trading your time for money uh, and that you can scale your impact to the world. Um, but as far as living my ultimate life, um, a long time ago, maybe six years ago, I found myself working two jobs and having a business and having to trade my time for money in that business. And I just decided that I wanted to have, I didn't want to work more than 20 hours a week. And I, I wanted to have a business that could grow at a certain rate. Um, and so I took the steps to climb that mountain. And so uh, defining my ultimate life would be deciding the way that I want to wake up every morning and the way I want to energize it with my family and, and with my personal life and, and then with my professional life um, and just taking steps only up that mountain. And so I've taken very deliberate steps uh, where now I have nothing on my calendar that I don't enjoy doing, uh, including this. I've, I've never had a call with another entrepreneur or another podcaster that I got off with less energy than I got on. And so I try to fill my day up with things that give me more energy than take from me. Um, and so uh, I actually have been retired for a year. I just relaunched uh, a new business uh, in November, uh, and I sold two businesses in the two years prior to that. Uh, and for the year that I took off, I said, I just want to do the things that give me energy. And I'll tell you exactly what those are for me. Uh, number one, I spent time with my wife and daughter, Lucy, who's 18 months old now. So I spent almost the entire first year of her life without any employees, any clients, or any constituents, right? Uh, number two, uh, I do jujitsu and kickboxing almost every single day. Um, number three, I live here in Indiana Dunes National Park. I try to get out and, and ruck through the dunes and into the beach with my dogs at least once a week. Uh, and number four, I get on the phone every single day, either recording podcasts with entrepreneurs or serving them uh, as a coach and consultant. Um, and so 
when I went to go start another business, I just said, okay, well, what are those things that I can bring to bear? And what are those gifts that I have accrued over my life that I can share with other entrepreneurs? Um, and that I would stand on a mountaintop and beat my chest and fight for. And so that's what I sell now is those ideas. So that's wonderful. And uh, it, woven through that description is service. It's the idea of helping. I use the phrase, add good to the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a choice to do that. But you didn't fall up that mountain. You know, you said you're going to stand on your chest and beat that mountain. Nobody falls up the mountain. And so there has to be a place, and you said six years ago, where you say, you know, maybe there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing, but I don't think it fully utilizes the capability, the gifts, the opportunity, the possibility that I have, and I want to do more of that. Besides saying, gee, I, I'd like to work 20 hours a week when you were working two jobs plus running a business, what, what happened that made you say, you know, not only do I want to change this, but I want to do it in a way that uses my gifts to add good to the world? It's a great question. And so what I will tell you is my story is so similar to so many entrepreneurs that I've met since. And that is I got from zero to point one having a business that was solvent, uh, by knocking down brick walls, solving every problem in front of my face, wearing all the different hats in the business, and just sheer energy and force of will got me from point zero to point one. But ultimately, Kellen, about six years ago is when I realized that that was the thing that was holding me back from helping more folks. At the time, I've been running a, a CrossFit gym at that time for about seven years, um, and uh, and I was limited to this hundred members or so that I could personally serve with a very skeleton crew and barely make ends meet. And once I realized that I was relying on the magic between my ears to move the business forward every day, I took the time to slow down, to ask myself the questions that allowed me to codify that magic into a scientific method. And then I could all of a sudden teach it to others. And those others could go out and energize that vision. And and so all of a sudden, it took me seven years to get to 200 clients, but it took me six months to get to 300 clients because we had figured out a system that didn't rely on Jason being the one energizing every element of it. And so when we talk about the changes that I've made and now the change that I help with others, it's that person out there who's super passionate about their business and they are willing to work their asses off every single day and do all of the jobs. It's that person that I have to tap on the shoulder and say, Hey, you've done the hard work. Now let's do the hard work of slowing that part down and acquiring the skills that's going to get you from point one to point two and point two to point three and on. That's fabulous. You mentioned, um, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, and, and likely some other martial arts. You said you do that every day. Tell me a little bit more about that, because there's a lot of rigor. There's a lot of rehearsal. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, determination, consistency. You know, pick the words that you want. I have a client who owns a, a gym in Michigan, and it's not a 24-hour fitness type gym. It's one of those meat market gyms, you know, rah, the guys, that, yeah. okay, one of those, right? And I asked him about it, you know, about people that go there and prepare for competitions and all that stuff. And he said, you know, it's just, he coined the term rigorous simplicity. You know, there's not a lot of things, but you have to be very rigorous about it. So anyway, I just want you to tell me a little bit about what attracted you to martial arts and what gives you the rigorous consistency 
to to continue with that because that, that's yeah. not trivial so first i'll address the rigor because i've owned a crossfit gym which is fitness uh for 12 and a half years uh but now i do jujitsu and kickboxing so i'll address that second but in general i bought i put both of these things as well as hot yoga or running or cycling in the term of collective elective suffering so we all agree to get together and suffer through something very challenging together so it's not me running by myself it's me forming bonds similar to those that i found in the army right Forming bonds with those people next to me, whether it's swinging a kettlebell or doing kickboxing or doing jujitsu or riding a bike, right, uh, in a group or running or hiking or any of those things. And so collective elective suffering, what that does is it bonds me with my tribe in a way that you can't get otherwise. And also it takes the scale of like pleasure to pain and it just shifts it way far this way so that the stuff that normally seems like difficult or challenging in your life suddenly seems so small and min minor in comparison. And then when it comes to jujitsu and kickboxing, the reason I love that is at its core, jujitsu is all about love because I could kill you when you tap and I choose not to dozens of times a day. And so we get in this situation where we're rolling around on the ground and I get you in a chokehold or you get my, my arm in a, in a lock that potentially could break my arm in half and you with love don't injure me. And it's just this bond that it just takes it to a different level than regular fitness for me. Um, and so for me, it's it's much more about the tribe and the bond than it is about the medium of whatever the art form is. Well, I love that. And I love the love as the foundation, because in in my discoveries, I guess, after decades of doing things differently love is what ties the universe together it is the attractive collective building force you know negativity hate anger bitterness grudges all that stuff is a destructive dissolution force it breaks things apart love and service puts them together again um so when you work with entrepreneurs that have been working so hard and we might drag martial arts back in here in a minute but when, when you work with entrepreneurs who have been working so hard, how do you move them or help them see that love is at the core of their passion and hard work? Because there's lots of people that think that massive action and furious this and that is the answer to the universe. <laughs> And you're grinning Massive because... action without love is useless, right? Oh, so uh, I want you to talk about helping, yeah. helping somebody move to love. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that, Kellen. I, I think I think that probably we're both uh, separate enough in our own uh, uh, like ideas that maybe it wouldn't work. But I think we have so many things we would agree on if we sat down and talked about it. Because uh, just listening to you talk, I can tell you you come to similar answers. We just do it differently. Uh, but. For me, it's all questions. I think that and somebody in my position, if they sell answers, is usually a liar. Um, and so for me, it's all about questions because what I find is the folks that I work with, these entrepreneurs, are usually passionate about their the mission that they have. And so when I ask them a question like, what do you, I just got off of a call a minute ago where I was asking a guy what his 10-year goal was, and it was just massive. I won't go into detail, but it was just massive. And I was like, okay, and why is that important to you? And how is that going to happen? And what are the things that have to happen between now and then to get there? And so when you start to ask these questions, people will give you the answer, which is, oh, I, I never thought of that. 
and oh, interesting. And you start to ask questions. People move themselves. They just haven't taken the time or maybe they don't have the perspective to stand outside of themselves and ask these questions that are so obvious to somebody like you or me, because this is what we do for a living, is we ask these questions that are designed to uncover our core values, why it's important to us to get up the mountain, what the mountain is, why it's important that this journey takes place at all. Um, these are things that, you know, massive action is required, but it's folly until you know precisely where you're headed. Um, so one of the things that came to me one day, well, before I do that, I want to use introduce a word. And I think it sort of flows out of what you've said. You have to know where you're headed before the massive action matters. And if you don't have that goal, and the goal isn't grounded in what you truly value, you're going to run out of energy. Yes. Okay. So you mentioned the military. Tell me a little bit about what the military taught you. So my business and my podcast is called Spear and Clover. And two of my core values are military mindset and the spirit of the puppy. That's what makes me me. It's two of my five core values. Uh, military mindset, I learned in the military. Spirit of the puppy, I was born with. People call it ADD. I like to think of it as entrepreneur's disease. Um, but <laughs> okay. this is... Yeah, this is high energy, super curious, playful. I love to try new things. I love to meet new people. But that was not useful until I found my time in the service where I learned about the, the, the benefits of discipline and respect and stepping forward when there's an opportunity to take responsibility and showing up for the people that I'm responsible to and, you know, never letting anybody down when I, I keep my word to myself and to others. And so what I would say is oftentimes I talk to entrepreneurs and they have this huge goal that they want to take action, but they don't even take the time to hold their word to themselves on the little things. And so sometimes I have to work them backwards to that first thing. Hey, man, you said you were going to wake up at 7 and you woke up at 8.30. Hey, man, you said you were going to call that person back and you ghosted them. If you start to if you start to lose or you start to not honor your own word to yourself or to the people that are close to you, it's such an easy thing for the rest of the tower to completely fall to dust. Does that make sense? And I learned that in the military. Sorry. Uh, well, no, no. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So that is, and you're right, your observation that we would say many of the same things and even many of the same words. I, I, I use in, in uh, coaching, I created, I, I call it a success cadence. And I make things as simple as possible. And it goes like this. I said it, I did it, I said it, I did it, I said it, I did it, I said it, I did it. Love it. Which which I, you know, people are looking for the the keys and the the cheat sheet and the fill in the blank thing, and and they cannot or have not learned. They've learned to lie to themselves, and they don't keep the word to themselves about almost anything. Mm -hmm. And they and and then bigger not bigger than they don't even think that's a problem, and they don't understand. And so we start with what you said, walking them all the way back. I said it. I did it. I said it. I did it. So that they then, instead of teaching themselves they're a liar and can't be trusted, they teach themselves that their word is the foundation and whatever comes out of their mouth is real. What yes. happens when someone changes like that? Well, I can tell you what's happened for me. Um, I almost never find myself in a conversation where I'm uncomfortable. 
I have no questions that can't be asked of me because there is no more shadow in the room for me. I have illuminated all of the darkness in the room, or at least that I'm aware of. Like, by the way, I'm not a perfect thing. Uh, I, I'm not perfect now. I, I'm not yet living my ultimate life, but I'll damn if I'm not trying. And, and to me, that's whenever something happens that I'm not proud of, I talk about it publicly sometimes because I want to illuminate there so that there's no shadows because that's where things fester. And so for me, it starts with just being who I say I am and showing up for the people in my life and, and, and not agreeing to show up for people that I don't want in my life. I, I if, if I can do something for you, I do it happily. And if I can't, or it exists outside of the purview of what I'm willing to give, then I'll let you know. Uh, and so because of that, I never overpromise and underdeliver. I never uh, leave anybody hanging. I never don't do what I say I was going to do, especially for others. Um, and I find that the more scrutiny I focus internally, the more I understand myself, Kellen, which is a practice, not a skill, um, the easier it is for me to stand on a mountaintop and say, this is what I think, because I've actually thought about it a lot and I've had it scrutinized. And, and I think probably like you, like I couldn't probably, we could probably have a, a conversation where we found something we disagreed on, but it would be unlikely that I would shake you off of your beliefs because I can tell just by talking to you that you think about the things that you believe. There's nothing, I, there's nothing better to me than somebody I disagree with who I know did the work. And there's nothing worse to me than when somebody agrees with me and I know that they don't know why, you know? I love that. So you used the word I was trying to introduce, and you said who you're being. Hmm. You talked about someone who, who they're being. And I, as a as a coach, I have people that come for various reasons. They want to make more money. They want to fix a relationship. They want to be happy. They want to connect with God. They want to find out who they who they are in the universe, whatever it is. And what is interesting is most come looking for some steps, things to do. Mm -hmm. And in a very short time, it becomes very clear that what we're really, really working on is who you're choosing to be. How are you showing up in the world? And have you, have you declared that beingness? I am this. And nobody needs to agree. You know, you just decided that's who you are. So what is the, if I say, being who you're being in the world that's like the foundational piece of growth i want you to react and comment and expand on that absolutely so uh for starters uh being is an action right we we are all connected in this greater scheme of things and i could certainly go down the rabbit hole there if you choose to uh but um once a month i go into a float tank with a little bit of psilocybin and i understand very clearly uh, that we are all connected and that there is a greater thing going on here. Uh, but being is the person that I choose to put up to the world and the the person that I choose to go out and be the avatar that is manipulating the world around me. Um, and so because of that, um, it's an interesting question that I'm, that I'm, uh, want to make sure I put well, because being is an activity, it really isn't like my identity is just the series of habits that I have ingrained in myself. And the more consistent and virtuous those habits are, the more consistent and virtuous I am being and therefore who I am. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And so the thing I wanted to say and didn't until we introduced the concept of being was this. From the place of being, 
the doing becomes trivial. And by trivial, I don't mean unimportant. I mean simple. It is not complicated. Go ahead. Uh, my The tagline of my business is winning is simple. It's 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 actually it's not as hard as people think. It's simple. It's actually just focus and consistency and da da da. But I just love the word simple. Go ahead. I where that came to is I was in a when I I struggled for decades for for thirty five years from seventeen to fifty two with un, untreated severe severe depression and that caused me to create all kinds of big success and self sabotage and up and down and up and down and. This episode isn't the place for my story, but I wrote about it in one of my 18 books. That was called Tightrope of Depression. Hmm. But anyway, when I, in 2007, I had a divine intervention to help me start recovery, and I did. And in the process of the first few years, I saw a lot of counselors and this and that and the other. And in one of them, one of the, his favorite things was uh, shamanic breathwork sessions to achieve an altered state, right? Sure. So I did that one time, and I had this vision talking to, I, I don't know. But a multicolored goddess that, like you see, and I think it's the Hindu. I'm not sure, though. So if someone listens to this, I'm wrong. Correct me. But anyway, we were having this conversation, and that's what she said from the place of being. The doing becomes trivial. And when I came out of the session, the shrink always asked me, so we'd always talk about something, and we'd, quote, take it to the mat, right? And uh, he said, what? Da, 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 and I'd always report. So I said that to him, and he was sitting in his chair. And he snapped his head around and he said, can I use that? <laughs> so I, I knew that I <clears throat> said something useful. But anyway, that's that's fun that to have that, that beingness. Do you, what do you find is the most effective way to, to create yourself? Like you said it, who you are in the world is that that intentional set of habits. So how do you create, reinforce, remind, uh, stay true to that minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day? What, are, what, is, what do you do with that? Uh, I think the term would be Kentucky windage or flying by the seat of my pants. And what I mean by that is there's certain dials in the dashboard of Jason that I pay attention to. And as long as they're within a certain range, I'm happy. And so that would be, am I doing things that give me energy? Am I doing things that I enjoy? Am I proud? Like, do I seek eye contact? This is something I had when I got back from the military. I was looking for eye contact in the third biggest city in the country, which is obscene, right? I'm in Chicago and I'm like, hey, everybody, I did good stuff for four years and I'm happy to talk about it. Would you like to be my girlfriend? Like, you know, it's just like super easy to be honest and out, outgoing because I knew, I just knew that I hadn't done anything to be ashamed of in years, right? Um, and so to me, those two dials, as well as uh, the ADD thing for me, I think of myself as a shepherd of my own attention span. And so where I find myself being pulled, I stop trying to fight that and I start trying to build it into how I succeed. And so it's like the thing that I'm attracted to, I make it a business and I've always done it. I just didn't know that until my mid thirties. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved snowboarding. I worked at the snowboarding hill. I loved cars. I worked at the shop. I loved clothes. I worked at the mall. And then looking in hindsight, I was like, oh yeah, because that's the thing I actually could give a crap about and would show up in earnest and work hard and gives me energy and da da da. And so now that thing for me is passing on these habits and these tactics and strategies that I've learned that made my life better and made me feel fulfilled because I know what it feels like to have a huge mission, Kellen, and not be fulfilled because I can't get it out to the world. And so now that I have have sort of a path that I can help people up that mountain with, 
man, it feels so good to give it to them. And so when you talk about how I show up, I just pay attention to those dials and I say like, oh, this is feeling like work now. Let's dial that back a little bit. Ah, that's giving me energy. Okay, cool. I could do that. Like, I'll give you a great example, Kellen. When I set out to start being a guest on podcast, I had two questions. Number one, am I proud of the things I would say enough to where I can go on to a conversation with somebody and just defend it with, with clear eyes and conscious and make digital eye contact with you proudly. And if the answer is yes, then we go on to the second question. And the second question is, do I enjoy talking to podcasters? And Kellen, I think you know the answer to that. The answer is yes. And so I could go, I've been on probably 50 podcasts in the last three months. Um, and it's because as soon as I figured out that I liked it and that I was proud of the things that I would say, man, give me a megaphone. Let's go. I'm sure you're the same way with eight, 18 books and 700 something episodes. You know, it's true. And I, uh, I'm grateful. I have to, I have to say, I honor you. I'm grateful. I use the phrase, add good to the world. I'm grateful for how you're choosing to do that. I know that in the work you do with entrepreneurs, people that are trying to be successful that, you know, in the coaching space and in the fitness space and in every space of self-improvement, there's this idea of you know, getting in our own way and the stories we have in our heads about why we can or can't do this, that, and the other. What are your favorite or most effective approaches to helping people get out of their own way, stop sabotaging their success? And you know all the cliche phrases, but they're cliche for a reason. They're real and they happen and people have all these stories about what they can and can't have and everything else. When you come to someone where you can see that that's a a serious piece of baggage. How do you start to with helping them? Well, um, I could talk strategically, but I'll actually give you some tactical questions that I ask. Number one is I'll say, if I gave you all the success in your business that you currently want, what would break first? Because that's typically the problem, right? Um, that's one question I ask. Another is imagine you met yourself 10 years from now. What would that person tell you you're currently missing or doing wrong? Those two questions pull you outside of what your normal like cruising altitude is, and it makes you question things from a different way. And I've found that to be very successful. Um, the other thing I do is just sort of, uh, I, I was an engineer in the army, which taught me how to troubleshoot. And I was a financial analyst uh, early in my financial career, which taught me how to like model and break things down in constituent parts. And so I'll say like, okay, so what are your goals? And then I'll just start to break it down through questions with them. Hey, and how are you gonna get there? We're going to do this. Okay, great. And how are you going to do that? We'll do that. And you just see things get more and more focused as you go down and, and they'll inevitably hit a stumbling point where they go, huh, I guess I can't go win the Olympics at 40 or whatever, you know, like. <laughs> so that that's really good. The question I want to dig into just for a sec is 10 years from now, what would you tell yourself? How is it that someone, if they put themselves in the mindset of, of a, more advanced person themselves 10 years from now can see more clearly what their stumbling block or what they're missing or what's not happening right now. T tell me how that works. I agree I with you, by the way, but why does that work? I actually think I know. Um, I think what you did with uh, shamanic breathing and what I've done with psilocybin or with uh, float tanks and meditation or whatever, I think what you can do is you can trick the ego to put its guard down for a second by asking it to project out into the future. And so what you're doing is you're saying like, hey, just put down your ego for a second and just step to the side and look at yourself as a human being. And so this is an interesting thought um, that I'll continue on for just a second. And that is, 
if I were to try to coach you, let's just say, or a person, Tom, if I were to try to coach Tom, I'm trying to coach somebody that I have very limited information about. But if I can learn how to step outside of Jason, I get to coach Jason with 100% of the information. And so if I can get Jason to put down his guard and I can observe him without prejudice, then I can make a much better assessment of what needs to be done. This is what breath work and yoga and psilocybin and LSD and all of those types of things help us to do. And so Kellen, the answer would be that question in my opinion has given people a short little pinhole window where they go like, well, I guess I would probably say I need to listen more as an interviewer, you know, or I guess I probably need to stop expecting people to perform magic without being trained or whatever, you know, whatever the thing would be. I, I love that. And our ability, one of the things I focus on a lot, and I'm sure you do too, is for people to intentionally develop their own connection to intuition, because we all have it. We all were, you know, created by the same God or the same universe or the same non-duality, whatever you want to do. You know, there's no accidents. We're here on purpose. And developing, like, in, intuition and insight is not an accident. So how do you develop, how do you help people develop uh, their ability to hear their intuition and their willingness to accept and act on that intuition? Well, I think it comes from a two-way street that kind of meets in the middle. One would be understanding yourself enough to be confident in who you are, not necessarily who you wish you were, but who you are. I'm confident in who I am. And that person isn't perfect, but I know who he is. And if I say he can do it, he can do it. If I see a barbell, I know if I can pick it up or I know if I can't, I just do. Like with very small minor error there. Uh, and then the second would be, um, what you pay attention to pays you back, right? So track. If you have an intuition that this guy you shouldn't work with, write it down. And if six months later you realize he's a fraud, remember it, <laughs> you know? And, and so you start to tune in to the frequency of, I, I'm not a particularly hippy-dippy, what would be the word for that guy, but I will say that there are things about me and my physical and physiological responses to situations that I don't fully understand that have been accurate. And I'd call that intuition. And so you track it. You don't go, I think I don't like redheads. <laughs> you go like, <laughs> you go like, oh, I had this feeling. Like I have, I have two things that I've noticed in the last few years, Kellen, I'll give you specific examples. One, when I say something, whether it's in humor or an idea that I'm not sure how the person I'm talking to is going to take it, my toes curl like crazy. And so now I'm like in the business of making my toes curl, if that makes sense. And then two, I have what I call spidey sense. That's where like, if, uh, if I'm about to fall or if something happens, there's like this endorphin response where I feel like crackles. In, I can I feel it right now, actually, like the hair stands up on your, I flush, I can feel my face turning a little red. And so what happens is first you start by observing it as or after it happens, but then you start to anticipate it and trust it over time. And so what I would say, you can't really do that until you're introspective enough to actually be tracking and monitoring yourself in that way. So we're to the, we're, we're about at our 30 minute time. I'm going to say one thing, and then I'm going to ask you one more question the first five books I wrote was a series on meditation and there's lots of different methods and styles and this and that and the other thing, but I boiled it down to three things and it's appropriate based on what you said. It's one, be still enough or slow down enough to be where you are fully here present. And the float tank is a perfect example. I've done that too and love it. 
So slow down enough to be where you are and as a correlate when you are, because we're always thinking future past. Mm-hmm. Number two, be still enough to notice what is there. And number three is trust what comes to you is truth. And that's the sort of three steps that I use to describe a process loosely called meditation, but it is the intentional development of the pricklies and the curly toes and whatever other signals mm-hmm. that we have from these outside sources. So I love what you said and how you described it for you. And I generalize it in that sort of meditation thing. The question I want to ask you is, I, I love how you're adding good to the world. I know there's going to be people that listen to this that want to learn more, understand who you are, uh, dig around and maybe connect with you and stuff like that. So uh, tell people, if you would, how to follow you, how to find a little more and how to dig into what you're doing in the way that you add uh, good to the world. Well, the first thing I would have you do, if you've made it this far into the podcast, you are a fan of this show. And so if you haven't already, go to Kellen's website, go to his Facebook page or his, his Apple, review it, like it, and share it with somebody else. Because more than almost anybody I've ever met, Kellen is pouring his heart and soul and his effort into this to bring this to you for free. If you still have energy, any energy left, please check out www.spearandclover.com, spearandclover.com. Uh, my preferred platform is Instagram. I'm on there as Jason Skisick and uh, Spear and Clover, uh, but I'm also available on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, uh, and the Spear and Clover podcast is available on YouTube as well as uh, where all audio podcasts are, where you're listening right now, probably. Um, and I'm available. Hit me up. I love talking to entrepreneurs. I love helping people solve problems. Uh, and this kind of conversation is my jam. So I'm sure if you're listening to this still, then we would see eye to eye. Fabulous. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for encouraging people to go to go spread the message. Because as I mentioned ahead of time, my goal is to help 50 million people to discover and serve with their gifts. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Kellen. I really appreciate you. You're welcome. And I want to encourage you to listen again, because the the what we talked about is dense. And if your heart is open and you're listening, you will get the pricklies on your neck about things that matter to you and implementing those things without judgment, but just accepting your own desire to grow will help you reach your ultimate life. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, Please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is your ultimate life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your feet on the ground.